You know what I think it was, Doug, is that I had been introduced to a, a fellowship or a 12-step program, not to get all preachy or whatever, but right. like I had met dudes there that I believed what they were saying. And even though I met them as they would be meeting me now, like their story, as I'm telling mine now, I believed it. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got Ken Baden today. He's the owner and CEO of Potomac Custom Remodeling. He's also the uh, consultant over at Baden Consulting, which they do sales consulting, leadership, door-to-door, and one-call closing. I don't know if you know anybody else that does something similar to that, but that's why he's my people. So, And he is also a personal coaching client of Ryan Stuman. And if you guys obviously know who that is, you know that that can't be cheap. So, Ken, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me. So Ryan connected us, actually. He did a, a three-way message, jumped on an audiogram, and asked, asked me to reach out to you, us to get on a call and chop it up about solar. He thought I could add some value uh, with that industry. And we ended up talking for like, what was it, like an hour and a half or something like that, almost yeah. two hours, and just chopping it up about sales, the industry, about self-development, about Apex, and everything involved. And so right away, you know, I recognized that, hey, we had alignment all over the place. We're in the same industry. You've got a hunger for growth, and uh, you're in direct sales. So one of the things that I want to get into is kind of your story, you know, because you've got a really amazing story, you know, a 1% story, I would say. You've gone from homeless to business owner in five years. Can you kind of walk us through that journey? Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, first of all, I don't want to like set the expectation that I was like raised. I don't want any negative connotation though, as far as how I was raised or anything like that. My parents did uh, very well by me and I was raised in a good home. You know, my mom left when I was 14. But what I'm getting at is like that had no effect whatsoever on what had happened. And the reason why I ended up homeless was solely because of my own decision and, uh, or decisions or lack of good decisions. But ultimately just to make a, a long story short, I was in a car accident when I was 20 and ironically, man, 19, I was thinking about this today because, you know, I've got my little European suit on and I'm feeling good, <laughs> man. And it's something that, you know, I, I really like, I do like to dress nice and I value very much like what I put out to the world. And I teach that to like any of my coaching clients that like, you know, what you present to your clients says a lot about, and I do on the door, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got about five seconds and first impressions, probably all you're going to get. So you better be looking sharp, but you don't have to be wearing a suit. Right? I like this because it makes me feel good. But also I think because for a long time in those years, I felt so bad about myself and uh, you know, I really hated myself during the time that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I was 19, I was in the best shape of my life. I was into really uh, eating healthy, the gym. I was like 215 pounds, 12% body fat. I know this because I like collected all those metrics and saw trainers. And I was like, just 
like what I thought at the time was like the peak, you know what I mean? Right. And a year later I got into a car accident and, you know, subsequently I was prescribed painkillers. And back then, man, they were much more like freely uh, distributed. And there's a show actually that I really, really thoroughly enjoyed dope sick. And I think that very much accurately portrayed like what that was like then. And I came into the scene kind of like towards the end of that, but just the same, that's what happened. You know, I was prescribed painkillers and uh, I was prescribed them for like three years. And I didn't see anything wrong with it, man, because they were prescribed by a doctor. But uh, ultimately, man, that getting off of that was when things went bad. And yeah. so my family was ill-equipped to deal with anything like that. I was ill-equipped to deal with anything like that. I used to look down on guys in high school, man, like, that did drugs and stuff like that, you know, I might've partook in like what I think like recreationally we all do right. in high school. You know what I mean? But other than that, anything outside of that, man, I was like, I was not with that or in those circles, but this seems safe because it was something that was prescribed by a doctor. And I think that now that I work with a lot of guys in similar situations, that's like the cliche, like, Oh, well, a doctor's prescribing this to me. And there's certainly a point when you get, if you get to where I got, you mm. kind of know, like, this is probably a problem, but you start to cling to that as like your, your scapegoat almost. But at any rate, man, what ended up happening was, um, you know, my father was like, look, I was in high, I was in college and, uh, I was in a fraternity. I was a very poor entrepreneur at that point, And my product was that very short lived. I was mm -hmm. terrible at it, but, uh, because of that, my dad noticed like, hey, man, you're I was on his insurance. I was young and uh, noticed that I was seeing the doctor at high frequency and was like, man, we're, we're, we're done this. So he made a phone call to the doctor, cut that off. And that was the beginning of the end, man. Like 2010 was really, really like there was about like a six month to a year period where we just didn't know what to do or how to handle these things. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, man. Like we, I went and saw a psychiatrist for this. Like I, that's not, you know, now I know that that's probably not what you do, but my dad didn't know. I didn't know. And so, uh, again, we were just ill-equipped to deal with it. And there was just kind of more of like that, what, you know, how do we deal with this process for like six months? But ultimately, man, what it led me to was seeking it elsewhere. And like those guys I looked down on in high school, we became real good friends real quick and yeah. uh you know and then you're getting it that way and uh in about a year man i went from college graduate raised in a good family to i mean just complete degenerate criminal to be honest with you mm -hmm. um i stole from all the people that i loved um you know i committed I did a lot of bad things. Um, I, it turned me into a monster, if I'm being really candid. Uh, horrible, horrible things, man. I mean, I, I I robbed people. I did a lot of things, right? For whatever I had to do, that's what I was going to do. And I didn't even think I was capable of that. But you don't know what you're capable of until you're... That isn't, you know, one thing about these substances. And again, like now I'm involved in programs. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I'm, I'm a big believer in a 12-step program. And I'm not going to because of the certain 12 step program that I am affiliated with. You know, we it is anonymous and don't you know, I'm a big believer in the principles behind it. And so, like, I'll just kind of leave out 
I, we don't want to identify with any specific one. And then subsequently, like I become, you know, the a face of that. Right. So I'll just leave the actual group out, but it is a 12 step program. Yeah. And uh, that is the appropriate place, at least my experience to seek help. But, you know, getting back to just kind of like working with these guys and what it turns you into uh, when you're in that mode. I mean, it just, you become something subhuman. And at least I did, you know, and so I, I became very quickly in short order, man, like a year, a year, a year. I was in one year, I went to three rehabs and then jail. Ultimately, that's where mm -hmm. I ended up. I mean, uh, I did a year and some change in, in jail. I was facing 15 years for attempted armed robbery, you know, and so this is like college graduate trying to hold up a, uh, and it was a card store and I'll leave the name out of it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, like trying to rob that because there was probably like $60 in the, uh, in the cash register. But I was just so out of it, man, that, you know, it didn't matter. I was just whatever I had to do, whoever I had to hurt, whatever I had to take every morning that I woke up was Groundhog's Day. And it, it just it's insane how quickly you go to that place. And what these sorts of substances just physiologically are capable of doing to a human being mm -hmm. and like changing you to at your core. Like I was raised with principles. These principles I've adopted post this are not new. Right. Like I was raised with those principles. My dad is a, is a military guy. Like I'm, my mom is a was a great mom. Like I, I didn't have to like learn those because I was this guy before. I was a great person. I like to believe an empathetic, caring person that became just an absolute monster. And uh, and I'm stressing that because I don't, man, the last five years has been like just nonstop, go, 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 go. But to really understand like- Where you came you know, from. Like, brother, it, 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 was, it, was, it was just, it was, I, I didn't want to be, it was existing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at that point you are existing. You are existing and your only existence hurts everyone that you care about because this is a family thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not doing this. You think you're just doing this to yourself, but you're not, you know, the people that care about you and can't help but care about you. A mom, a dad, a grandmother who was like, you know, my grandmother and I were super tight. And she was kind of like that last like quintessential enabler because yeah. love was her only language for her grandson. Like yeah. she would have given me anything, steal from her the night before, give me it back the next day. Like, just I'll love you through this type thing. And like for a guy like me in that mode, I'm going to take advantage of that. So my family did what they needed to do and cut me off from her, but they ultimately all cut me off. And I, you know, and this is, you know, post getting out of jail, I, I'll just give you a synopsis of just like, once I got out, there was a little bit of a lesson learned and I had had a bit of a reprieve from like that substance. But now again, physiologically, I've been rewired and I have that kind of addictive. And I believe that that's just something I had inherently. Anyhow, mm -hmm. I probably didn't see it. It is, it is, you know, experts say it is progressive. And, you know, it's just something that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. I've accepted that. I'm totally okay with that. There are a lot of attributes that come, I think, with that personality that I can use to help people and to better mine and the people around these lives. But, being cognizant of that is super important because at any moment, if I choose to do something like that, then I know the consequences are going to be that, right? Yeah. And so 
post jail, man, really the only lesson was like, okay, drugs are bad. Like Mr. Garrison from South Park, right? Yeah. Drugs are bad. Okay. But, and I got that. I understood that, but I thought, you know, I can drink. And uh, that's like the number one, again, like those are kind of these cliche things where it's like, you're watching a guy go through this, which I do now because I help these guys that are young and struggling and young early in sobriety as well. But that never works out very well, at least for a guy like me. And it didn't. And so I drank for two years straight and that's all I did was drink. I was like, if you see any pictures of me on Facebook, which will soon be deleted, I might save a couple, but yeah, I'm like 265 pounds, dude, my, my neck's down to here. And again, like when I'm who I am, like I'm, I'm very much like I take care of myself. I mean, it's just part of what I like to do. I like to work out. I like to eat right. I'm always going, but you know, I gained like 65 pounds. My health was terrible. My blood pressure was up. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really struggling, man. And ultimately it led me right back to, and I'm now I'm in, I'm in sales. Uh, and this is kind of ironic, but like during this whole time, man, like the one constant was like, I can sell myself really well, dude. Yeah. I can sell myself really well. So even though I'm going through all of these things, you know, I've got these periods of doing well. Right. And they usually are very infrequent. But right. during those periods, I'm a big dream guy, man. And so I'm going for like whatever fast money I got. Mm-hmm. And we're in the perfect industry for that, dude. So let me let me pause you right there real quick. Because I know it gets better, right? And so let's let's. I want to bring up two major points right here, and this is just in development in general. And then when you're trying to build that attractive personality online, like it's it's huge that you can walk through that and you're willing to go through the depth of it, because a lot of people want to just come produce content or go on a podcast or go on a stage. And talk about the good stuff. You know what I mean? Which, it's very hard to do that with conviction without having your audience understand where you're coming from. So I think that's huge. That's important. And a lot of people don't do that right now. They don't get vulnerable like you just did. So I want to thank you for that. Because I think it's going to be huge for our listeners to understand. And then I, and then I would venture to say that 20 to 30% of our listeners have similar a similar background. And, um, you know, my, my VP of sales, he's 18 years sober. You know? And, um, so the experience that I have with that is through him, obviously. And so I know how amazing those programs are. Um, and he was a sponsor for, you know, probably a good eight of those years. And so, um, you know, I, I know how big a deal that is. And so you being vulnerable about that, being willing to say, Hey, I was this person before is huge. And, uh, and then obviously the next piece of that is, uh, is it admitting what it did to everybody around you, which is a huge piece, you know, and then it creates a subconscious motivation to never let it happen again because all you do is see their faces back when you were doing that stuff, you know. And, uh, and it, it, and, you know, my, probably my favorite part and the third piece of it is that you're admitting that it never goes away. That's just a part of you, you know, and that's massive to me because that's what I had to do too. So mine was women. Mine wasn't drugs. You know what I'm saying? And so um, the day that I admitted that, hey, this is a weakness for me, this is a uh, something, this is the worst version of myself when I give in to this uh, addiction with women, the day that I admitted that was the day that I was able to overcome it, you know? And so 
I think that's just it's important to point out those couple of things before we get to the good part, right? Because, you know, on TikTok right now, they have these 30-second videos. Let's get to the good part. Well, you got to go through the, yeah. the shit first, you know, for people to really understand where you're coming from and how, how massive the story is. And, and it does. It shows them what's possible. It's like, okay, if someone like me can, you know, build up this business and and let my values fall by the wayside and cheat on my wife for a year and a half, you know what I'm saying, which is a story I go through on different guest episodes and this podcast, and then come back from that and eventually remarry her, you know what I mean, then then all the men out there that are caught, caught themselves in that situation can do it too, you know what I'm saying? And same thing with you. So I guess let's hear, let's hear the second half of that story. Yeah, well, and what you just said was huge, man, because I, if I don't, clearly paint the picture that I'm short selling. One thing I've learned, like money, things, stuff like that, I've learned very, very quickly. Like there was, that's just not going to make me happy. Like, this is great. I love this dude. It makes me feel good, but it's not sustainable. And it is not like, you know, the Corvette. And, you know, now it's the Lamborghinis and stuff like that, that I want. I don't have but that I want, but I already know they're not going to make me, they're not going to, sustain my soul and I'm certainly not going to keep me sober and if I'm not sober I'm not going to be successful and that's just for me right but I have to be able to help some people man and if I don't paint that picture clearly I can't help anybody the way that again I'd be short selling you know what I mean so um, it's important to me to do that for sure and I do that with most of the all the guys that are here man they all know that and so like the most important thing is that if there's even just one person, man, that like somehow, some way gets something out of that. And it's like, dude, if this guy can do it, so can I, then everything was worth it. Everything. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what sustains me now. And dude, that kudos to you because that's, you got to get uncomfortable and bear yourself. But the result could be, dude, you could save somebody's life by doing that. quite literally, you know, like, you said it's not drugs, but it, you know, the feeling and the obsession is very much the same, you know, woman, drugs, addiction, you know, the opposite sex, regardless, dude, like the, the, the motivation behind it typically is a missing something in here. Right. And even if you can't identify what that is, something is missing. Right. You know what? It's crazy. We have another similarity. Um, I left my, my mom when I was 12 and moved in with my aunts and she never came after me. <laughs> So, like, when you go back to, like, the psychology behind the stupid shit that we do, it comes from somewhere. You know what I mean? We own it. As an adult, you have to own it. You can't say, oh, you know, I got mommy issues, I got daddy issues, this is why I'm this way. That's not how that works. But it starts somewhere. You know, that seed is planted in there somewhere. So, anyway. I agree 100%. I, I would say, though, like, for addiction exclusively, that, like, whatever that is, I don't really get wrapped up in, like, this, this disease debate or whatever. Whatever it is, dude, I got it. Yeah. Whether it yeah. came from that, but I do believe is there's fuel that's added to the fire. I think that that fire was already lit. You know what I mean? And maybe if the fire never goes out of control, you know. But honestly, man, I'd rather that that fire get out of control and then put down, right? Versus kind of living a life where I'm like on the precipice of like, and because really that person's miserable in me. That person's miserable in me. Like what this does is forces me to do daily introspective 
soul searching inventory. But at any rate, I don't want to get too far ahead because like you said, the second half of the story, which is the better part. Um, and I was getting to where I drank just exclusively drank for two years, super fat, gross, <laughs> but ironically, <laughs> man, I'm successful. I'm yeah. successful in sales at the time. So I get introduced to the home remodeling industry and I'm, you know, I'm not, and that's where we get this door to door stuff and like the, the, uh, background or, or influence. What's the word I'm looking for? Inspiration for like mm-hmm. my podcast. Like that's kind of what I just fell into. Now I've sold men's suits, right? Like mm-hmm. in high school, I've always been in sales, but so just kind of fell into it. Same thing with my internship, literally fell into it. Wasn't supposed to happen. Sold insurance. Like, and these are all things that were happening during periods of either doing well or doing bad, quite frankly. But dude, I, I could always sell myself. Even if I was doing bad, I could clean up for a couple hours, yeah. go in, sell the hell out of myself. These guys are thinking I'm going to like take over and set records. And I come in and just not only stink up the place, I'm probably a massive liability, you know, yeah. or I come in during one of my periods of doing well. And I do really, really well and like get to the, the pinnacle and then, you know, they promote me or whatever. And I leave them hanging because I don't give a damn about anybody else. Once, once I go back there, it doesn't matter, right? It's too late. I'm not showing up for work. You know, it's just, my numbers are shit. Everything just goes to shit. So there was a lot of that, but in that I went from the insurance industry to being recruited by a, uh, a company, a big company. And I'm very thankful for that because they're one of the biggest remodeling companies in the United States. And that foundation that was set there and their training platform, and it's as basic as it gets, mind you. Like they're, I would argue that they're the biggest, they're probably, they're quite possibly the biggest remodeling company in the United States. If they're not, they're close, but no one's heard of them. And so, unless you work there, and if you're in the industry and you're, you're local, everybody knows who they are because right. their, their training is just exquisite. They're very much like marketing, sales, doors, closers right and then whatever they have in between now but like their foundation was that and i never forgot that but fortunately i stumbled in there and they trained the hell out of me and that's really all there is to it they trained the hell out of me and they trained a lot of future business owners and a lot of future ceos and vps most of whom i'm still in contact with today several from like my class but that was towards the end uh and i was there for a couple months just like i was everywhere else you know because i couldn't Mm -hmm. keep it together what really, really went downhill was uh, 2017, which is when I got sober. 2015, I was out running around for two years. So I was working as a sales manager now, doing pretty good. Uh, one of the canvassers, ironically, at this company. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, I hear that, you know, I hear some rustling that he's distributing some stuff some pills or whatnot amongst yeah. the different, you know, and I should have fired the kid or I should have approached management, but what do you think I did? Right. Like I went and talked to him about it. And then the next day I sat on and I come back, I'm like, well, Hey, and that was disgusting. That was gross. That was, you know, I think about that now, like those, those guys trusted me to be a manager, to like lead people, to be a leader, to set an example. And instead I leveraged my position to make that something good for me. And this guy is now running around getting, finding things for me on a daily basis. And again, that was short-lived, but both of us got fired. I ended up quitting. I, I can't remember, man. It was so many of these times, but mm-hmm. two years later, I'm shooting, you know, I'm shooting heroin. Why, 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 why sugarcoat this, right? right. I'm shooting heroin, right? Uh, I've now smoked crack. 
that was crazy. Uh, everything that you could think of that I could use to escape to get out of myself. I'm, I've completely burned every bridge. Every person that ever used to even name my grandmother even, which I, I know we've kind of glossed over that, but for her to have to like cut me off, you got to really understand how low <laughs> I was for yeah. me to not be allowed on grandma's property. But because uh, I was a grandma basement dweller for a long time. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was always my go back to grandma's basement whenever things got hard. So, dude, I was that's where I ended up completely and rightfully so, like ostracized for my entire family. And they had to do that. They had to protect themselves. Right. Like, but, you know, like I said, man, that was the lowest point for me was just knowing unequivocally and kind of finding some peace in that. Like I had accepted like this is where I'm at, man. I, at this point, I'd had up, down, up, down, up, down. Right. Sales career, no sales career, job, no job. Um, you know, one thing after another, where I have, uh, just com continually let down my family and myself. And so, uh, I got shipped to Florida. I thought I was there two weeks. Turns out I was there a couple of days. That's how out of it I was. Uh, my mom lives in Florida, by the way, she was the last one to try to help your boy out. Yeah. But, um, and then I burnt that bridge down. This girl I was dating at the time was like hiding me in her apartment, which was on her ex-boyfriend's property, family property. I'm not allowed to like go by the windows during the day. Just chaos and craziness, dude. Like that's where I ended up like yeah. hiding in her room all day, every day, because that's the last place I could stay. That's not the woods. And then I ended up in the woods, bro. Like straight up. Like mm -hmm. I stole from her. I took 20 bucks from her floor that I found like two days before $20 was enough to set me off. $20. Like yeah. I have walked away from rehab for $160. I could not go in without spending that like that's how in the grips i was and so i took a video the other day of where i slept but and before this i was staying in some dude's basement you know that was like homeless but like that's high class homeless you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. still you got, got a, a basement exactly a yeah. roof i don't care food nothing else but you got a roof so like you're not to me that's not homeless but like technically you know i didn't have a place to call my own it was hit or miss on whether I was gonna be allowed to stay there. But for the most part I was, and there was another couple guys that we were, we were all doing the same thing. But at any rate, I ended up in the woods, dude. Like the girlfriend who I stole from was like, brother, you, you can't, she almost let me come back. Actually, I could not admit that I stole from her in the moment. And she was like, get, get out, dude. Like go in the woods. And uh, I had watched a lot of man versus wild. So I was like, <laughs> I'll be fine. Like this is gonna be fine. I'm gonna build a sweet fort back here with these. And it was a lot harder than it looked. So yeah, I had all my bags, dude. It was in the middle of August. It was hot as hell. I'm getting eaten up by bugs. I mean, like one night, literally, and then the next day, you know, I'm just like I get completely eaten up by bugs. Just and I've lost over a lot of very gruesome stories of things that had happened to me. And the night before, when I took that 20 bucks, I tried to force entry my way into a home of guys that were selling stuff and take stuff from them mm -hmm. just by force. No plan. Just, I was completely out of it. I'd done some stuff that just made me like psychotic and tried to force entry my way in. And I'm, I'm quite literally lucky to be alive right now because they were talking about like getting rid of my body and stuff like that. And honestly, man, rightfully so. I, I, I'm not a little guy. I'm six two. Yeah. And I wouldn't leave. And when they tried to like usher me out, I stopped and just bulldozed my way in and I wanted what was on their counter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so three of them, the dad that just got out of prison, the two of them, 
And, uh, you know, they stomped the hell out of me. And I still didn't want to leave, by the way, knowing full well that they were going to they were going to kill me and get rid of my body. Every time they stopped kicking, I'd be like, all right, fine. Well, if you're going to kill me, just let me get one more. And that's funny, but it's also insane. Yeah. It's insane, right? Like, I don't think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> hearing uh, that doesn't, you know, context, right? But still, like, hearing that, like, yeah, that you're literally ready to die just to get one more. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, you know, you got to remember the circles I run in. And right. This this story of mine is frequently told, and like that's what makes me know I'm around my people in that environment because they do usually. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I get that. I get like for you, it's like dude, this is insane. Yeah. But unfortunately for them, most of them, it's like yeah, I totally get that, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, but luckily, I, I I lived and I did a lot of other crazy things that night, but. You have to understand how I look, right? Like my face is out there. I still have a scar up here. Yeah. I've had my tooth punched through here. You know, I like to think I clean up pretty well and I do present myself well, but like in those moments, I'm a, I'm a monster and I'm subhuman, like I said. And, uh, and I didn't care. And like, I was just beaten. I was beaten. I didn't care. So I ended up going to rehab uh, because I had nowhere else to go. I went to a hospital because my face was destroyed. Right. I walked to McDonald's and some lady saw how bad I was that worked there. And she was so sweet. And she gave me a free like breakfast, you know what I mean? And uh, water. I just went in there to use like wash myself up. And, uh, and so I don't know, so that really stands out to me. I don't know why it was just her act of kindness, I guess, but I walked to the hospital and I asked them for some help. So they put me on the fifth floor, tried to release me. And I was like, I, where am I going to go? I have, I'm homeless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So can you please help me out here? And so that was the only reason I went to rehab again, right? At this point, I've been to like six different rehabs. I've been to jail. Uh, You know, I don't really think there's anything that's going to work. And uh, I went to rehab just because that was, that was the only plan. The girlfriend I was dating, the one that was hiding me was crying, trying to get me to go. And she really just tricked me, dropped me off. And uh, I had nowhere else to go, so I went. But, you know, a couple weeks into it, I don't know, man, like maybe just some clarity, sobriety, whatever. I was right? going to ask, physically like, removed for it. what was that turning point? I don't know, man. I wish I had a good answer for you, brother. Yeah. I really do. I, I, I wish. I, all I know is this. I was in there for a few weeks. I did not want to go. I didn't want anything to do with Because it's like, dude, once you've done it, or it just seems so daunting because you seem so far down. Right. It just doesn't seem possible to get out, right? Like now I'm 30. You know what I mean? My life's ruined. I've done this several times now. You know, I've had really great jobs. I've been a sales manager. I've been, I've made really good money because we can't, right? Door to door, remodeling, solar, yeah. all of that stuff. Like, and it's all gone. All I have to show for that is debt, repoed cars. Like, I had nothing. My car was repoed. I had lost every document that substantiated that I was a human being. I had given my social security card away. on one of those transactions where trust me, I'm going to come back, Mr. Dealer here, hold this. And, uh, my birth certificate, who knows that I was living out of a bag for months. Mm -hmm. So I had nothing to substantiate that I was a person. I had no bank account. I had done stuff to prohibit me being able to get one. Like I had nothing, man. So it just didn't seem like I could come back from that. But two weeks in, man, I was just like, you know what I think it was Doug is that, I had been introduced to a, a fellowship or a 12 step program, not to get all preachy or whatever, but right. like I had met dudes there that I believed what they were saying. 
And even though I met them as they would be meeting me now, like their story, as I'm telling mine now, I believed it. And because I believed it, I believed it was possible. Like if that guy who told that story could get his act together, then maybe this could work for me. And so I committed to nothing else, just trying this program and seeing if, if all else fails, dude, I know what, what's on the other side. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I was so out of options. Like you want, I wanted to be gone. I had considered it. I could never actually do it. And it didn't happen by, you know, the means that I wanted it to happen, which was just using, it just never happened. Right. And so I was out of options really, and ultimately broke it. And I think that's exactly where someone needs to be in order to really, truly do this, to be honest with you, broken, done. Absolutely. And I think a great point, though, was you surrounded yourself by the right people, you know, and as, as cliche as that is, and there's a reason it's cliche. And there's a reason that probably 90% of my podcast episodes touch on that subject, you know, you surrounded yourself by the right people and they inspired you to get your shit together, basically. And so, yes, I'm guessing you were able to come out of that, get clean get your first chip, you know, and then what, were you already back right back into sales or did you do something simple? No, man, I was afraid to yeah. uh, go right back. You know, it's all I had ever done. And even my family at this point, now they're talking to me again, you know, because by your six, seven, three, had no response. You know what I mean? And so, and right again, rightfully so. So like, because even when you get like two, three, four, five months, it's like, they want to believe, dude, but they've been hurt so many times. You know what I yeah. mean? And I understood that. I thoroughly understood that. So, like, I knew my dad very much was going to be like, I don't want you to do that. Like, because, and I was cognizant. And, like, this starts to sh that paradigm shift of, like, your way of thinking. Because, like, when you're doing what I was doing, it's the ultimate selfish, like, just self-absorbed you can be. Right. When I came out, it was like I started having these instances of, like, thinking differently, which is, like, how would he feel about this? How would they feel about this? I already know when I tell them, because they always looked at it like, oh, here he goes chasing fast money again. Here yeah. he goes trying, you know what I mean? And so whether it's true or not, you're going to identify that negatively. Well, in, in, in sales, you are. You're surrounded by people that make fast money and spend it fast, you know? So yes. it's not the greatest yes. environment depending on <laughs> the culture, you know? <laughs> yes, and you hit the nail on the head depending on the culture. So... And that's a big part of what it is I'm trying to do here. So, which is create a safe environment. Like, and that's not all we have here, but you're absolutely right. That is, it's almost like cliche. It's almost known like, Hey, you know, those guys, they make the quick money. They live fast. They do things, you know, they like to party. And, and I knew that and I know that. And so here we very much try to create an environment that is the opposite of that. If anything, it's a safe space, a safe place. And I'm huge on that. We're like people, anyone can feel comfortable here right like we have fun we do a lot of family team events uh every quarter we go do something fun but like you know we we don't we're not interested we're interested in building ourselves up and bettering ourselves we're not interested in doing that like that's little kid stuff bro we're not we're not worried about that here mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i've been there done that so at any rate i i, I eventually like eight months in i decided i was going to give it a shot and go back to sales and i started at a small remodeling company it was a construction company Right. And the differentiator would be that he didn't focus on like neuromodeling as a niche, right? Like, mm -hmm. and it's smart because it's what can I get quickly? What can I do quickly for, you know, a high profit margin and 
keep it moving, right? Versus, mm -hmm. you know, construction is, you know, multiple bids, long, drawn-out right. projects, third, third, thirds. You're going to have the capital and so on. Like, you can finance everything with remodeling. But this guy wanted to uh, basically hire me, which is where I got the idea for consulting, to, you know, make his company, like, one of the big companies here in Maryland, I'll say, I won't use their name, but right. like, they're like the premier remodeling company. It's like, Hey, you know, I know you used to do that. I know you used to be a manager, like come here and make mine this. And it is, and it, you know, now I, I see, man, we're like, Doug, and I don't want to get all creepy spiritual on you, but like, for me personally, I believe God, like, dude, every level, every place I went, everything I did prepared me to run my own business. Mm -hmm. And so even this, like I had been a sales manager, but I had no idea. I didn't take on marketing or anything. Well, when I came here for this guy, he's like, all right, cool. So like, just do everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had no idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's taking calls on like anything that comes in. Like, Oh, I want to, I want to, my front screen door repaired. And right. he's like, okay, well, we'll come out for an estimate. Like, well, no. Right. But like, yeah. you know, and he did okay, but I'm just saying like, and he's still around today. Like if you want to be what he was talking about, mm -hmm. everything from the time the lead is procured, how it's procured, how it's vetted, all of that matters. And so I tried implementing that, man. But what I'm really getting at is it was an awesome opportunity and prepared me for like, okay, time blocking. You talked about that the other day, right? right. Like, so I'd have to come in and I'd say, okay, from seven to 10, I'm marketing. From, anyway, when I first get in, I'm answering emails. And then from 7.30 to 10, I'm, I'm just focusing exclusively on marketing. Right. And then I'm shifting to, returning sales follow-ups for the next hour and then mm -hmm. i'm running appointments in the afternoon nice. right yeah so that was a really big growth moment for me and then that led to some guys like a, it's a small circle i don't know if it's like this in texas yeah absolutely so like we all know each other mm -hmm. we all came up and there's only there's a few major companies that you worked at and like everybody's like power is one of them you know, you're a power snob or not. And mm -hmm. like I was. And so like several guys now they're, they're VPs or they're owners of companies. And so they see that I'm back in the industry, if you will. And so I got reached out to like, Hey man, I've got a startup, which at the time now we're at the age where like a lot of our class, if you want to call it that starting their own remodeling business. Yeah. And he asked me if I was interested in coming there and being a sales VP. And that was something I hadn't done yet, you know? And so had I not gone to, the place I was at before, I wouldn't have been ready for that. I wouldn't have taken it. And, uh, you know, I went there and we started in Maryland from there to Jersey. Now we're running two States, but Doug, to your point, building great sales teams. Like I love, by the way, that's a smart show title. First of all, <laughs> yeah. second of all, that's where I learned how to do that. Mm -hmm. So I had already been a sales manager. I knew like, all right, I got to get my pom poms out and I had recruited and I had done you know, I knew the basics of what I was looking for in a recruiter, yeah. you know, the, the intangibles and so on. But like, I had never built a system. Mm -hmm. And so when I go into this guy's office and he's like, all right, cool, you're going to be my sales VP. I'm expecting to be given, here's our training manual. Here's our SOPs. Execute. You know. And you had, a, and you had to develop all that stuff from scratch. Yes. Yeah. None of that was just like uh, a business that, owner would. <laughs> yes. And this guy is the business owner. And so I'll well, see if I can get Sean to listen to that. And that's, that's what I see in home services in general. You've got, there's two types of business owners. The one that's very good at what they're doing, which is the service, right? And then you got the one that's very good at the business. Either one or the other. 
most of the time. You know, mine yeah. was always the business. You know, but I had guys on my team that were good at the service. You know, and actually, I was a sales work, so I didn't even have to worry about the service. That was outsourced. You know, and so, um, and then, and then, but the main business owners that I serve, they're incredibly good about the service. They know their service inside and out. What they need help on is exactly what you just described: is the sales and marketing program. Yeah. So a hundred percent. So what do you think, like your business now, you started your business after that, they kind of prepped you for it. You, you went from consulting to VP of sales for another company. You know, you made the leap to start your own business. Uh, do you think it's, it's all that history that kind of prepared you to do that? And, and that's why you're able to, to sustain. Cause I mean, we all know the stats. Most businesses go out of, business the first year it's like 70 percent the second year goes up to like 90 percent and then so on and so forth so you beat those odds why do you think undeniably was that so i knew that i had to do this as a business because i was uniquely prepared at this point i had been a part of even from my past before when i was a sales manager those companies were startups Mm -hmm. so i had not only worked at probably arguably the best remodeling company in the united states Mm -hmm. and learned their training and been trained by them which again i'm so grateful for man like I had worked at a couple other ones too, because then you start hopping around, man. Who's going to pay me more and all that? You know, yeah. I was the guy that I would never want to hire. Now. Right. <laughs> the <laughs> but cancer. I was like, <laughs> yes, unfortunately. But hey, man. I mean, we. I was doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, undeniably, man. Like all of that, all of it prepared me for. I was just comfortable, man. Like had that not been the case, I wouldn't have done. But I knew I was uniquely prepared to be in this specific industry, mm-hmm. having been a part of several different startups, being privy to the conversations, seeing a lot of the stresses. And to be honest with you, kind of learned a lot of hard lessons when someone else is done. I know like, yeah. you know, that's probably a poor way to articulate it, but like I was, I saw a lot of the big, big no-nos and like, okay, don't do that. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm being really candid, man, one of the big ones was freaking one cliche, and it's definitely in the remodeling industry. I don't know about solar, but like mm-hmm. the the disappearing care. What I mean by that is like there are so many sales guys that want to go out and start their own business, and then like I've worked for several of them, and they they'll tell you anything to get you in there. Yep. You're never going to sustain that if you don't stick by your word. So like some basic principles of like standing on your word, right? Don't promise bonuses you can't deliver. Mm-hmm. Pay people pay people on time, but you would think these things just go without saying, but they are not universally adopted by all these different business owners, right? Like, right. in fact, it's almost like that's the rarity. I have, a, <laughs> I have an insanely high retention rate right now. And a lot of that is because of, I believe, my principles, my company's principles, and just really simple things like, brother, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to give it, I got a guy right now out on maternity leave. He just came in my office the other day and told me, hey, man, look, you know, I've been doing this real estate thing. Me and my brother, both these guys are both 200,000 plus a month volume guys. Like, I don't want to lose these guys. Right. But uh, they're going to focus on real estate for the winter. They'll come back in the spring. They've got a lot of volume. They're going to wrap up. It'll carry them into December anyhow. But I promised this guy, excuse me, that uh, I would pay him for two weeks because he was really stressing about it. Uh, while he was gone and not working. And these are 1099 guys. So like, right. you know what I mean? I'm just literally coming out of pocket at that yeah. point. And, uh, you know, I told him in the office, this is week two. And I said, that doesn't change anything, bro. Like, I promised you I would do that. 
I already did that last week. I'm doing that this week. I'll keep you guys in the books. If you can get anything in, great. And when you come back in the, in the spring, great. Right. And he was, they both were like, that's why we'll never work anywhere else. Yeah. Because one of them has worked at two other places and not had that experience. And I'll leave it at that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uniquely, man, I've been prepared to do this. I did solar for a little bit too, and that's what we're trying to do now. But the right. sustainability has a lot to do with being able and fortunate to have learned some lessons like that on other people's payroll. So some of the things that, you know, help you build your business and you specialize in is obviously door to door. Um, so can you walk us through kind of a general strategy when you're training your guys to go knock on the door? Yes. So I have a sales methodology that I kind of stick to, but when it comes to door to door, the basics, first of all, And again, you said it first, cliches are cliches for a reason. So Mm -hmm. do not dismiss them, right? If I'm driving that down your throats for a reason, right? So when you go out there, you're knocking your door, go out there and make a friend. And that used to drive me crazy when people would say that, but I understand (laughs) why they say that. Like, you know, I have guys pitch me a big on role play, right? And everybody hates it because it's in the office and it's in front of everybody. But if you can master it in the office, you're going, and it's cheesy. I'm a big cheese ball. Hell yeah. All my stuff is cheesy. I'm all about it, but that's how I was trained and it worked out well for me. Right. So mm-hmm. like, and these guys, and we have the metric to support, it works out well for them. That's what I love about like what I have my systems and so on. I have actual provable quantifiable metrics to support. If you follow this systems, you will see X percent closing rate or you're doing something wrong. And so, and that's deadly in consulting. The fact that you can say, Oh, well, let me pull up my sales sheet for October and show you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I know at some point you've got to go full-time consulting, but right now I am enjoying that. I am enjoying being able to cover like a recruiting report and being able to pull it up on my, because it's already there because I was working on it earlier that day. You know what I'm saying? That's huge. So, uh, but yeah, I'm very analytical as well, going back to the numbers and then the results that the strategies produce. So you go out to the field, you make a friend. What's next? Go out to the field. I mean, a lot of that, by the way, for that is preparation. That's so key. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you going? Right. Where, where are you going? What have you put into your thought? Like, so I teach my guys to, to utilize Zillow and there are different apps that we use for different departments that mm-hmm. give them access. It uses the Google, Google maps interface, but plan your day out the night before, right? Like that's what winners do. Plan your day out the night before. If you know that you're looking for a neighborhood that you're going to be walking in, well, then you should pick a neighborhood that you can do that. In, right. Don't go out to some rural area. But if you do do that, do that with intention. Yeah. If you're doing that, then, okay, my plan is to go to these more rural areas where they're less hit because you do have to drive out there. Mm-hmm. But again, plan your time. Like We call that spot knocking, right? Like, that's okay, but have a plan. Have a plan B. So I always say, get yourself three areas, and those areas need to be close enough in proximity that you can bail and get to the next one and not cost you a whole day, Right. Yeah. So plan your night before, get yourself three areas that, you know, give yourself a, a, a metric. So a hundred doors is always the yeah. default yeah. for me. So like, all right, I'm going to hit a hundred. And that's because they don't have those metrics yet. All my guys know, like, all right, if I hit 40 right. doors, I'll talk to 15 people. If I talk to 15 people, I will convert seven. Right. So yeah. if you're brand new, you don't have that. Yeah. So it's but you got to get that. Yeah. hundred doors. And then keep those records of how many people did you talk to? And we have apps that, that do this yeah. for that purpose. That's the whole purpose of those apps, really. You know, it's a user 
friendly thing for them because they can you know mark where they're but it's really for them to be able to quantify the data and get better like all right i talked to now i'm not only i now i now to get the same results i don't have to hit 100 doors or if i do hit 100 doors i'm going to get better results as i progress so planning your day out moving with intention and a purpose like these are things guys do that that's what winners do really like guys that don't do that are just going to flounder around and if you're just driving to a neighborhood that day you're already lost you know what i mean like i've done that myself and i've spent more time in the car than i did yeah you know what i'm saying and they used to say the hardest door to hit was your car door yeah and i understand what they're saying you know what i mean like sometimes it's just like oh this is a good time yeah dude i've done it a hundred times you've probably done it yeah so if you plan your day out the day before and you know you're going to hit X amount of doors, then you have a check mark to say, okay, my day. And that's the next thing I would give anybody is do not be emotionally attached to result, the results and live and die, excuse me, live and die by the numbers. Do not be emotionally attached to the results. So if you hit your hundred doors, you fucking won, dude. Yeah. You won that day. You won. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go hit your hundred doors, bro. That's it. Right. You'll talk to X, you'll convert Y. But if you convert zero, you still want, because if you do that every single day, you're going to be a bad fucking dude. You know what I mean? And so too many guys get emotionally. I get it. man. Like, I'm sure you do, too. Like we hear no all the time. bro. In fact, many people would say we get paid to hear no, because a lot of people can't handle that. You know, and so I prep my guys like, look, brother, this is what we talked about, scaring the individual on the recruiting room, not literally but but yeah actually like hey man this is not easy yeah you're going to get elements door slammed in your face got a gun pulled on me one time (laughs) you had a gun pulled on you i've heard that dude i've never had a gun pulled on me i got stick by a dog i've gotten oh yeah (laughs) you are in texas that's right yeah a couple of my guys had a gun pulled on them i never had that though man i don't know i probably look too snazzy Maybe when I'm up there and they don't feel it. I don't know. I don't think yeah. they give a damn, to be honest with you. I think it's just luck of the draw. Right. Be I, I, I love familiar. what you're I love what you're saying though, because we're dealing with it in our uh slower division right now. And uh so we have sales rabbit, so we get real time tracking okay. on how many activities they're making. And so our whole deal is hundred activities. Cause you may be working two streets, forty doors, but you're looping, right? You're going to the doors at different times of the day. Yeah. Right, to make sure you completely you completely work it, right? And so, but our guys are averaging 27 activities a day. So that can be door knocks, that can be dispositions. And I'm like, holy shit, we got a huge problem here. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, me and Wayne were meeting on it and we're like, okay, we are focusing nothing on nothing but activities for the next month. I don't care what your numbers are. I don't care what your conversion rates are. We are going to ingrain this in you 100 80, 85 is what the average is, 85 activities per day, which is 85 knocks per day. It may not be 85 mm-hmm. doors, but it's 85 knocks. 85 knocks per day or bust. We're going to do it every day, and we're going to be relentless on the action. And I always reference uh, my podcast with Mike Claudio, and uh, that's one of the things he talked about that kind of changed gears for me. It's like too many people manage based on results when they should be managing mm-hmm. based on actions. Because if you manage based on action that gets done every day, the results will come. Whether they're the best closer there or they're the worst closer, you can predict those results. It, predictable results is what you're after. And you can't do that without managing on action. 
hundred percent, man. That's a great quote. I love that. I'm stealing that. For sure. So what's the one call close? What does that mean? One call close and or one sit close is in our industry, it's fly or buy. And that's just what it really means is you have an opportunity right then and there and only that opportunity right then and there to earn this client's business uh, or you don't make it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, and that's what it means for me, for the client, it means that we're going to present you a product and we're going to ask for your business right then and there. Right. And so that entire process has got to be it's not just in the sales room. I mean, it's literally, again, how, what type of leads are you getting? Where are you getting them from? How are you qualifying? Like all of that has to be designed on a, a one call closed system period, like, or it won't work. So, um, you know, that the hammer and the nail days are done. Cause when I was trained where I was trained at originally, they were like, sit there until the cops get called. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't care how many no's you get, dude, like you're staying there. And I dude. Hey, I mean, I didn't like it, but it did help me uh, grow as a salesman. But mm -hmm. in this, you know, I get a lot of kickback on this. But I, honestly, man, most of now solar, mm, I would argue that majority of the solar industry is, in fact, a one call. Like yeah. I have metrics from my buddy. He's like 88% of ours were closed on the initial visit, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it means. One yeah. call closed is closing on the initial visit, right? A two call is having to come a second time or, but if you're doing that, you need to do that with intention, right? Right. Not just like, like my intention is to my, my close, if you will, is to set the second call with a time and a date that is a official two call, right? right? Like, and that's, and so that's the door to door is the marketing piece. So you're not getting the lead, you're, you're, you're creating the lead from your setter. And so really it's still to the closer. It's one call. Yeah. You know I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They have one interaction with the client. So it's mm -hmm. one call. And so they better everything again that they do. Like that whole sales methodology is built around a one call. And so that's what I brought up in the beginning. It's all built around because there's psychology to it. There's a preemptively overcoming objections. There's the smoke screens you got to get through. There's identifying the objections. There's asking the right questions. I mean, there's just so much that if you don't do, you're not going to close that deal in one sit. Yeah. That's why we create the system scripts and SOPs for that. hundred percent. Okay. So I got two more questions. We're getting pressed for time. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through them here. I'm going to ask you this because you talked about a Lamborghini earlier and that you do want to own a Lamborghini someday. I do. You know, you got the Corvette right now, right? So my question is, you know, you had this option when you hired Stuman as your coach. He's a six figure dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're spending six figures plus on having them coach. And I, I, I know the exact amount, but it may go up, so I won't quote it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but why did you hire Stuman as your personal coach and not buy a Lambo? It's easy in that I believe that by investing in Stuman or someone like a Stuman, that I'll be in the position sooner than I would have otherwise been to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, you, first of all, I'm not going to do that because – I am not in a position to where I feel I a deserve a Lambo or B have Lambo money, which would mean I can buy that thing three times over. You right. know what I mean, and maybe I could, but like, I am so laser focused. So number one, my goals are like way up here. Mm -hmm. Right. So well, I don't even feel like I've done anything yet, whatever, whatsoever. And we've done well, man, we've done really well. And we lost three years 
a business with a, a partnership that I had doesn't matter, but like Potomac is in its infancy still, right? right. Second year, but it should be in year five, yeah. which is a really yeah. good year, right? And so I lost three years of hard work, volume, where I hired every single person that was there. I tried to train every single person. I brought everyone in. I was responsible for all of the volume. I lost all of that. So like I am laser focused and getting this to where it needs to be as quickly as it needs to be and delivering on everything that I've sold my guys on, man, and not being what I've seen before. And so what do I look like by Lamborghini, bro? Like when I, reaping the, I think it's a very bad look, first of all, but reaping the rewards when they're still work there's work to be done brother we're not yeah. lamborghini company yet homie we're not <laughs> i'm not a lamborghini guy yet man like dude we'll probably round out the year our goal with six will probably be closer to eight in year two and that's pretty damn good and with one department you know that's um, and next year it is absolutely feasible that that very same department could be somewhere in the 12 14 range but with stuman if the path to success looks like this right mm -hmm. but i can align myself with someone like him and get a straight line through it. Even yeah. if there's a fucking chance that I can do that, I gotta take it. I gotta take it. Taking, I have to take it. Taking the path four, six I mean, the, from zigzag to straight line and you get there faster. And then you can I mean, have I'm, a whole garage full of Lamborghinis and Ferraris and whatever you want. <laughs> Versus. Truman is a very big figure, man. You're absolutely yeah. right. Mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, and I, I, I only followed him. I didn't even know what Apex was, to be honest with you. I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't really know any of the details. And so it's exciting for me, man, to like meet guys like you. And Yeah, you're drinking from the pool. fire hose right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like I'm seeing that like, hey, man, some of these people in this executives group and entrepreneur, these people are legit, man. And I'm honestly like the first couple of days I was like, man, I'm kind of like the nobody here, bro. Like <laughs> uh -huh. I haven't done anything, man. These guys are big fish, man. And so like it was really exciting for me because i went from like you know there's a couple of days of fear but then like confident and like dude i've been networking like motherfucker man that's all i've been i'm just i'm blowing up everybody i just want to know everything from everybody all at once if anything i've just got to slow it down but again to answer your question man i believe that ryan is going to get me to a spot quicker to own several of those and for my guys to own several of those. it doesn't do me any good to go buy one you know car poor and the optics there look like shit because yeah. we're not a landing company yet. I'm not doing that. And I've would, seen several companies do that. Wouldn't that be cool for one of your guys to buy one before you did? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, that would be me. That, that would be so badass. Yeah. And they probably would be more likely to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know how those sales go. Well, they may not have a company to build out. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, exactly. All right, brother. Last question. Um, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy are you going to leave behind? Legacy means everything to me um, because even now I think I have a bad habit of like, I feel like, and this is sound really morbid, but like I can't shake the feeling that like at any moment everything could be done. And that is the truth. The mm -hmm. frailty of our existence is abundantly clear to me. I think a lot of that's based on how I used to live. So I'm always moving, dude, like every day, like almost as if it could be my last. And it's important because of that, that, there's two guys in the next room that when they came here, they were guys and, and didn't have places to stay. I'll leave it right. at that. And didn't have bank accounts. And that's where this suit thing came from. They had never owned a suit. Mm -hmm. And now one of them is, you know, probably made 
200 plus last year yeah. pays to make it this year. He's a kid to my, you know, he's 25, something like that. Right. Um, that is the legacy that I want to not only leave behind and I want to be able to take care of all those people that I hurt, all those people, my family, my fiance, who's an attorney that like anybody that buys in on me now, you have no idea what that means to someone like me. Like the fire, like that's all I need. Right. And everything I do is for them. I fucking swear to God, I don't give a shit. I, I think I've thoroughly proven like I genuinely don't care so much about me as much as and I like nice things and stuff, but like, that's not going to get me very far. Right. right. I only go so far on me. I got to have something else. So my legacy is to find and build something that is a company and an environment that is uh, conducive to building not only the best possible career and making a ton of money, but also the best human you can be, right. The best person you can be and having, you know, core values and the foundational component that really supports that. And that continues after I'm gone. And then I'm able to enrich these guys' lives that, you know, and everybody struggles different. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be that they come from drugs or whatever. It can be that, you know, they, it doesn't matter. They just felt like a loser. Everybody knows that feeling on one uh, end of the spectrum or another of just being defeated, right? So, like, to be able to build somebody up from that and watch them succeed is, is its own reward. And, and to be able to continue that and hopefully – help some people and try to use someone like Stuman to get to a place where I can be a big enough influence to help enough people. Like I'm just going to keep pushing. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. I love it. And it's massive because the things and even the business itself isn't going to get you out of bed every day. You know what I mean? But knowing you got to show for those guys will, or knowing 100%. you got to show for the, the guys that they're going to impact the same way you have will a hundred percent. And then of course, Writing those wrongs with the family and the people that are close to you and the people that continue to invest in you is my dad works with me. Oh, the one that was like, yeah, amazing. he retired early, dad, to come work with me. He was just in the office this morning. So, I love like, that again, you have no idea how fucking much that means to me, dude. Like, that's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. brother. And there are a lot of other instances in that, like that, but I'm very blessed, man. Very blessed. So, if the listeners want to reach out, where do they? they find you out, whether it be consulting or just want to follow you because you inspired them today. Where do they find you at? They want to follow me on Facebook. It's uh, Kenny Baden, K-E-N-N-Y, Baden, B-A-D-E-N. And on Insta, it's Ken underscore two underscore the underscore B, <laughs> which is a terrible handle. Ironically, I have the Ken to the B handle, but I deleted it for like a, a month <laughs> just to take a break and I can't get it back. Either so now way. I have this terrible Everybody uses links now, so we'll put the links in the show notes and make sure yeah. that they can they can find you there. Brother, I appreciate you getting vulnerable with us on the call, walking us through your story from homeless to business owner in five years. I mean, it, it's been a fantastic story, and I appreciate you for sharing that and uh, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. All right, brother. Let's get building. All right, man. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.